I'm Jimmy Shuka alongside Albert Chalmers and this is Radiant Light, a spiritual discussion podcast, episode three, The Middle Way. Albert, what's the middle way? The middle way is the Noble Eightfold Path, which takes a person from suffering to enlightenment. Okay, so right view and understanding is basically the acceptance of the Four Noble Truths. Life is suffering. We suffer because of our cravings. We can escape from our sufferings. And that the Noble Eightfold Path will help us to escape our sufferings and achieve enlightenment. Point two is right intent. Do you feel we're showing the right intent of what we're doing these days? Well, you've got right view as the first one and right intent as the second one. Mm -hmm. So I've got right thinking in my book here. But right thinking, for me, it's pointing towards the idea of no self and interbeing and not thinking with your ego but yeah yeah i mean when you say not thinking with your ego it's like sometimes you'll have a friend who wants to deliver some bad news or tell you you're wrong about something and i guess just being open to that outside information that you know maybe he's right and you're not like not letting your ego getting in the way for the greater good yeah other perspectives that you can learn from and grow and that maybe your perspective isn't always the true way or the right way subjectively yeah but that maybe there's an objective truth i feel like sometimes we get or when i say we i'm speaking for people in general here we can get caught up in this world these days where we're so built up in our own belief system, you know, I bought into the conservative politics rather than the, the labor politics. And it's almost like we don't want to hear the other side. It's like ideological possession. You're possessed by an ideology or a religion or something. Yeah. Yeah. You don't actually want to learn more. You actually, created a identity you've attached your identity to this ideology yeah and then it's like you're not listening to understand the other person you're just listening to respond i guess that's when you begin to suffer more though right because you've just closed yourself off and the noble eightfold path is about always seeking a pure or more enlightened state of mind hmm. it's not about saying i've reached the goal and now i'm set in my ways and i guess people everyone's different but it seems like there's this kind of point where you become an adult and that usually just to me that just means you're now set in your ways and you're not evolving anymore unfortunately you mean like some people have kind of, they've chose this career path and they've chosen this political party and this belief system and that's it, you know, nothing else can be right no matter what. That's like, a, I don't know if it's the right word, but like a disease in society at the moment. 
Yeah, I think that's what people consider to be an adult means is that you've created an identity and an opinion that's fixed. But I don't think that's what adult should mean. I think adult should mean you've overcome your suffering and now you're capable of giving back to society, which is the bodhisattva path. It's somebody who didn't take the the way out, which is nirvana. They chose to stay in the world and bring other people towards enlightenment as well. That's a truer and higher state of Buddhism than somebody who attains nirvana and selfishly basically disappears from society. It's better to help other people overcome yeah. their sufferings because rather than just ride off into the sunset, effectively. Yeah, because you don't want to protect your quote-unquote self. You want to create a, a non-self way of thinking, a selfless way of thinking interconnected and you have to focus on others before yourself and by judging others you're putting them beneath you you're saying i'm in a place where i can judge others and that puts them beneath me yeah i mean you're effectively puffing up your ego at that stage it's not a mindful way of living i've even heard that by not mindfully listening to somebody you're essentially killing them because you're not actually there with them you're just putting them on the lower scale of priority than yourself mm. it hurts that person it makes them suffer greater yeah you can tell when you're with somebody and they're just constantly checking their phone mind on other things you know they're not listening yeah that's like a type of murder i hate to say it that Partially. If you take mindfulness seriously and realize that you can actually alleviate suffering by just spending a few minutes of your time mindfully listening to that person. And look, I it's hard to do that all the time with every conversation that you have, mm -hmm. but it's a challenge to yourself to become more enlightened by doing that, by listening to that person as though they're the Buddha <laughs> speaking to you or... Do you know what example this reminds me of? Do you remember that day when um, I came to meet you in Oscar Sun and Ebba and I took the bus? And do you remember me talking about how that fella come and sat next to me and Ebba on the bench and he was just a little bit too friendly for my liking. He was a little bit too emotional really up and you know he could have okay to give you some context here he could have sat anywhere there was nobody around but he chose to come and sit right next to us practically touching and in the end he was touching you know he'd known me two seconds he's shaking my hand he's putting his hands on ever i'm feeling quite uncomfortable but this guy was a bit of an emotional wreck and he'd had a few drinks you could smell the alcohol on him and i'm already i'm judging him you know, I'm really coming from a place of ego here. It's not good. And yeah, I could have mindfully listened to him a lot better than what I did. And I knew it at the time. The little bit of Buddhism that I had in me was making me self-aware enough to be like, yeah, you could really do a better job of this. And I remember thinking, yeah, I know Albert would do a better job of me. And you would have really engaged with the guy, I think. But 
I don't know, there was just something built into my ego to just not listen as mindfully as I could have. And when that bus came, Ebba and I were quite quick to just shoot off down the other end of the bus. And anyway, cut a long story short, by the time I got back to Oscar Sam, I looked back at the moment and thought, yeah, you know what? He was a little bit in my space. He was a little bit intrusive, but I really could have brightened up his day a bit if I'd have just sat with him on the bus for the couple of stops that he was going to and just, like you say, listened and engaged with the guy a bit more, right? You don't shouldn't be hard on yourself because you can always improve, right? It's just a challenge to yourself. It's a challenge to always improve on that. It could improve their situation and... When you become more at peace, it becomes easier and easier to do that. So does this tie in with right speech and right actions on the Noble Eightfold Path? Right thinking leads to right speech. It's the next logical step because what you think usually comes out your mouth. You think it before you say it, or at least you should probably be a little bit mindful about what you're saying. Sometimes you can get ahead of yourself, but the right thinking leads to the right speech and the action because your thoughts create a direction, I guess. Hmm. There's another Buddhist state saying that sticks in my mind is literally what we think we become. It's kind of like everything starts in the mind. I mean... People want to show people what they're thinking so that they can gauge whether their thoughts are considered okay or whatever. They're within the norm. Because if you have a thought that you can't speak about, it's probably because it's too far out of the norm. It's too socially unacceptable Mm. for whatever reason. And that leads to an alienation feeling. Like if you had really weird thoughts, something that it just, you know, it's wrong. You probably wouldn't want to talk about it at work, you know, and there's these speech, these speech laws and these speech guidelines that are becoming prevalent, political correctness and all this. Mm -hmm. It's a way of enforcing right speech, not actually addressing the right thinking part of it. So what if you just bottle it in and repress it? Then it's just going to get worse and worse. That's why people need a shrink or... Yeah, well, I guess at least they're getting to express it in one way or another, right? Well, that's why they have confessionals at the church, right? Catholic mm-hmm. churches. You can go to confession and tell him basically whatever. And he'll alleviate that sense of guilt. But again, like I talked about the last time... I don't think it's the right way of looking at it to say it's a sin and you're just a sinner, so it's not really something you can fix or whatever. It's something that meditation can address and actually transform, like I said. The suffering and the the wrong thinking can be transformed. It can be improved. You can find a more beneficial way of thinking. Do you feel like meditation has changed your way of thinking? Oh, 100%. 
like my priorities are way different now. Could you give us some examples? Or? Well, I've just realized that entertainment and looking for cheap thrills and indulging, it's not really going to answer the problem of suffering. It's just going to alleviate it for a short period of time. Get a quick fix. Right? Yeah. One of the basic principles that is so cool about Taoism is something called Wu Wei, which means not mm -hmm. to force or not to act. So sometimes maybe no action is better than wrong action. Yeah, I'm sure I can think of a few examples in day-to-day -day life where no action is effective. It's kind of like a form of management or non-management. If you like, if, if the manager of the team steps back and doesn't try to interfere with everything that's going on, the group will naturally find its own way of being. Like a consensus will be formed and people will fill certain roles and learn to ha how to coexist and co-work with each other. Yeah, that's a Taoist way of taking a leadership role. It's a massively Taoist way of thinking. Yeah. The greatest leader is the one who nobody knows exists, you know, and you have to be able to trust a nature or a universe that doesn't have a boss. Mm. Buddhism doesn't preach that there's a God that created everything and he's the boss and he laid down the rules and morality is based on what he says. There's none of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um... I mean, I even read that with Buddhism, there's not a strict right and wrong. It's just a general guideline and you can apply it to your own day-to-day -day life as kind of as you see fit or, or how you see or where you would apply it, you know? You trust your own judgment on moral issues and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Well, that leads quite nicely into right livelihood. I mean, one of the points on the noble eightfold path is literally talking about your job etc almost like a career choice i mean i've touched on jobs as examples briefly here but how would you how would you apply buddhism to uh, a career choice or a job what would you say to that well i think you know what i'm going to say right <clears throat> no i don't that's why i asked it. <laughs> it's the it's the alan watts adage where he says what makes you itch? What sort of a situation would you like? Let's suppose I do this often in vocational guidance of students. They come to me and say, well, uh, we're getting out of college and we haven't the faintest idea what we want to do. So I always ask the question, what would you like to do if money were no object? What, how would you really enjoy spending your life? Well, it's so amazing as a result of our kind of educational system, crowds of students say, well, we'd like to be painters, we'd like to be poets, we'd like to be writers, but as everybody knows, you can't earn any money that way. Or another person says, well, I'd like to live an out-of-doors life and ride horses. I say, do you want to teach in a riding school? Uh, let's go through with it. What do you want to do? 
When we finally got down to something which the individual says he really wants to do, I will say to him, you do that and uh, forget the money. Uh, because if you say that getting the money is the most important thing, you will spend your life completely wasting your time. You'll be doing things you don't like doing in order to go on living, that is to go on doing things you don't like doing, which is stupid. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. It's literally just follow your gut and don't let money and fear and all those worries, which are pressures put on you by others or society, usually. Or don't let it affect your decision making. Yeah, and also don't let emotions affect your decision because with right speech and right action, if you're angry, any decision you make will be driven by that anger. So if I'm angry about something, if I want to speak or if I want to act, it's better to do the Wu way and don't act and just meditate or whatever until you feel at peace again. Get back to the center. Because when you act from a place of turmoil, you're just going to shit on everything in your path, right? You're going to burn down every bridge and make a mess of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It takes a lifetime to build up something that you're trust, proud of. love. Yeah, love and trust. But it takes one bad action or bad One word. reckless moment to just rip it all to shreds. Yeah. yeah. And how many people are guilty of making that mistake, right? I am. I think sure. we've all been guilty of that at times. Yeah, so building a right livelihood starts by coming from those other steps along the way. You're going to build that by acting right, thinking right, living right. There's a concept in Japan called Ikigai. Wasn't, wasn't it a job that not only so that you're good at, that you're the world needs, you're filling a gap in what you can be paid for. Yeah, exactly. It's to find your vocation that will lead to a sustainable and happy existence and you won't dread it. You know, it's not a job per se. It's not a career even. It's it's the answer to the existential problem, right? Using money as a way of starting to think about what you want to do in the future is ridiculous. You don't do things in the future. The future doesn't exist. You do things now. Mm. So what would you want to do right now if, if, you, were if you weren't worried about money? Mm. Then you can start from that place and all the things like money and happiness and the people you want to meet. You're not going to meet the people you want to meet in some non-existent future where you're rich or happy or whatever. You have to be happy now doing something that you love and then you're just naturally going to follow a path that leads you towards people that you connect with, that you feel good with. So what would you be doing right now? I'm doing this podcast right now. That's what I want to be doing. Yeah. If so I didn't want to be doing it, I wouldn't even do it. So that's why we're doing it because like you said with right intent the intent is to do something we want to do so that it happens naturally and it becomes 
from a good place. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly been a subject that we've been passionate about for a very long time, isn't it? Yeah, and ideally this will reach people who can use some benefits from this. And then and following the middle path. Yeah, the middle way, the Noble Eightfold Path, and the Ikigai. So Ikigai means a reason for being. And if the middle way is a reason for being, then that's basically all you need. You can be content. To be content in the moment is more than most people could ever achieve by chasing and desiring and clinging and craving. Yeah, clinging on to more suffering. It's like chasing your tail around and around and around. You ever seen a dog chase its own tail? Yeah, it looks like it's going insane. Yeah. Imagine doing that for 90 years and then dying and just, what for? Like, that's what the whole samsara concept is. This is for another episode, but karma and rebirth, reincarnation, it's called samsara. It's a cycle of death and rebirth. And to reach nirvana and enlightenment is to escape from the cycle of rebirth. So that when Buddha died, he wasn't born again because he had been born so many times and followed the middle way to a point where he helped so many people. And not only did he have good karma, but he cut all the past away so that he didn't have to exist anymore. The last three points on the Noble Eightfold Path, when, when I was making a few notes on this, uh, I read up that all three are connected to meditation, but it feels like from this conversation, the entire Eightfold Path has been connected to meditation, you know, speaking from personal experience, but they are right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And it, it has arrows from each of the different elements of the Eightfold Path, and it shows that they're all interconnected, and there's an interbeing within. So it's not just a circle from one to the next, but they're, they're all interconnected. They all lead other. to each other. And... Well, yeah, I've heard it said that Buddhists believe that we are in a constant cycle of birth, and rebirth, and the meditation, the following of the middle path, and eventually reaching nirvana, is the way to escape this cycle. Yeah, and other forms of Buddhism teach that you should try and incur good karma, and that if you do that enough times, in enough lives, once you can reach enlightenment in another life, then you can maybe cease to be reborn again. But in Zen, it's more about actually focusing on this lifetime because you're in a current state right now and focusing on that state where you're in cultivating that existence that you're in now. It's kind of like how Lao Tzu talks about the men of old, you know, the great wise old men who lived in accordance with the Tao and were one with nature, and that 
that way had been lost. So it points to that there is an original natural way of living. And Lao Tzu and Buddha were just two men who happened to go inward and find it for themselves. Okay, so that appears to be all we have time for on this week's show. The next time we meet, we'll be discussing Lao Tzu and Taoism in a lot more detail. So until then, good night, God bless, and namaste.